This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Good afternoon and welcome to the Daily Digest on The Bigger Picture. I'm Judith Jacobs, joined by Dashan Johan and Hezrul Ashraf. So today we're going to be talking about body positivity and redefining physical beauty. So last week, Malaysia held its first plus-size pageant, Miss Plus World Malaysia. And while several quarters had criticised the event for objectifying women, the pageant's organisers defended it, saying that it raises awareness on body shaming and empowers women of all physiques. And this is what we want to look at today. You know, are plus-size pageants pageants the way forward, or are there other ways to help women feel comfortable in their own bodies? That's right. And on that note, we also want to know what you think. Are plus-size pageants a positive step forward? You can take the poll on our Twitter page at BFM Radio. Your options are, uh, yes, it is a good start, sense the wrong message, or I feel conflicted. So you can take the poll um, on our Twitter page at BFM Radio. You can drop a comment under the poll. Alternatively, you can also WhatsApp us 018-789-8899. Yes. So, um, as I mentioned, Malaysia's first ever plus-size pageant uh, was held very recently and it got a lot of attention. Um, And it also highlighted the need to have conversations around ways to empower women of all shapes and sizes so that they feel comfortable in their own bodies. And a large part of this falls under what we call body positivity, a movement that sets out to do just that and shift our perceptions of physical beauty. Yeah. Before we get into the topic of body positivity, though, we thought we'd take a quick look at how beauty pageants came about in the first place, right? And how they shaped modern standards of beauty. And the origins actually go way back to the ancient Greeks. So uh, get ready for some Greek mythology 101. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So the Greeks first uh, mythologized what eventually uh, became our understanding of beauty pageants. So according to legend, a poor mortal goat herd Paris was called upon to decide who was the most beautiful goddess between Hera, Aphrodite and Or Athena. And to win the contest, all three offered bribes to Paris. Hera offered power, Athena promised victory in war, and Aphrodite, Helen of Troy's hand in marriage. So Paris chose Aphrodite as the winner, which triggered the Trojan War. <laughs> That's right. Um, but the first recorded forms of pageants were beauty festivals that started taking place in medieval Europe. Uh, Europe. Um, in America, young women were uh, who were deemed beautiful participated in public processions and celebrations starting, this was in the 18th century. Though it wasn't until about 1921 that the first beauty pageant was held in Atlantic City, New Jersey, initially to attract more tourists and that was, of course, the Miss America pageant. So 20, quote-unquote, beauty queens participated um, wearing swimsuits and the winner was picked by a combination of the crowd's applause and the number of points the judges awarded to each participant. Mm. And the winner was a, uh, ended up being 16-year-old Margaret Gorman. She was 5 feet 1 inch tall and weighed 49 kilograms and resembled a popular screen actresses of her time who tended to be slim. And the New York Times quoted Samuel Gompers, the president of the American Federation of Labor, who described Margaret as, and I quote, the type of womanhood America needs, you know, strong, red-blooded. It's her type that the hope of the country rests. Channeling your inner yeah. <laughs> yes. chauvinist there, I see. Yeah, yeah, I, 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 I say that as I roll my eyes. <laughs> 
<laughs> right, and and that pretty much uh, well describes what beauty pageants aim to do in the following decades. Right, a platform to empower women and boost their confidence to the point where they even became symbols of national pride. Uh, we should also remember that back then, though, you know, conservative values still dominated American society. So organizers would strive to present participants as innocent and virtuous, even though they were being publicly paraded around in bathing suits. And the criteria for eligible participants also reflected this. They all had to be single and they couldn't be married or divorced. Yep. Over time, other categories were added to balance the beauty component like social justice causes. Mm. In the 90s, the winners of Miss America would champion a particular social cause, for example, like empowering youth to excellence. And the winners themselves had more diverse backgrounds. Uh, That's Heather uh, Whitestone, who was the first deaf Miss America as well as Nicole Johnson, the first winner with diabetes. Some beauty pageants have been in, uh, have even invested scholarship funds into the winner's prize money to prove that an education is just as important as looks. Mm. Yeah, that's right. But despite all of this, modern beauty pageants are still being criticised for heavily emphasising appearance as a criteria for its winners and of course for objectifying women, right? I mean, the images of the participants have become more standard and common, you know, skinny figures in bikinis who sometimes probably invest thousands of dollars to maintain their appearance. And many people have asked, what message does this send to younger girls, for example, right? Does beauty and success equate to being skinny and having a certain body type? Yeah, and there's also been, you know, pressures on the contestants themselves. In an interview with Elle, nine Miss World contestants revealed uh, the pressures of running in, in beauty and modeling competitions. Ellie McKeating, for instance, who won Miss Scotland in 2014, says that social media and and TV have redefined beauty to the point where, you know, at least in the UK, looking good means keeping fit and having fake tans. Separately, there's also been pressure on contestants of color uh, to use beauty products to brighten their skin. Yeah, and there have been some changes to to the culture associated with pageants, right? That's Miss America 2.0, for for instance, where organizers have said that it will no longer be a beauty pageant, but a competition that will focus more on the participants' characters and the social causes they champion. They've also removed the swimsuit category. Still, though, people like New York Times culture columnist Barry Wise are skeptical. So she says, and I quote, our culture hasn't stopped objectifying women. Strong is the quote, word for skinny and healthy for beautiful. Ours is the age of Pilates and athleisure of (laughs) detoxifying and wellness of gamifying weight loss by calling uh, calling calories points. Right. So the debates on beauty pageants and the objectification of women will definitely continue, but we've also seen separate conversations on the need to make pageants more inclusive and to redefine the meaning of beauty in the fashion industry as well. Uh, In the last decade, plus-size pageants have cropped up, for instance, like Miss Plus America. The organizers organizers say that they're meant to be more inclusive, allowing bigger women to participate and promote their self-confidence. Yes, and major fa- uh, fashion brands like Levi's, they've also mm. pivoted, you know, expanding their clothing products to cater to women of bigger sizes. And you can see this in their ads and the profiles of their billboard models. And these initiatives are essentially part of a movement known as body positivity, which encourages people to accept and I guess, you know, just feel comfortable in their own body, <laughs> yeah. isn't it? And to consciously redefine mm. what it means to be physically beautiful. Um, I don't know about you guys. Have you have you seen the way people are trying to reshape 
shape mm. these conversations and approach body positivity? Yeah, so on, on, I read an article from the New York Times called Why Radical Body Love is Thriving on Instagram. And, and I, I checked it out and, and went to Instagram and you see all these, um, well, influencers, right? Plus size influencers uh, really trying to, I think, reclaim the conversation on, um, on, uh, on their bodies, right? Mm-hmm. And, and, and I think being aggressive and bold about how they how they feel and the need to i guess um you know encourage women to, to of all shapes and sizes to feel the same way um and i think even on a on a radical scale um at least according to to the article and and things i've seen on instagram you know some women are also trying to reclaim the word uh fat for instance and mm-hmm. and really i think um you know just just make an impact when it comes to um uh, raising awareness on these things. Yeah, and in Mm. terms of also like shaping the conversation, Mm. right? Another thing that a lot of influencers I've seen, they've tried to really make clear is that the misconception towards body positivity is that it encourages people to be happy with or or to to sort of want to be Mm. obese, for Mm. example, or want to be plus-sized at the expense of health, right? Mm, But that that isn't the, the, the reality of it. When in reality, like body positivity is about loving yourself despite you know your your shape or your size and and that's important you know that they are not encouraging uh, you to you know put aside health altogether yeah, I guess for me, you know, when I look at pageants, I, I'm never sure I, I, whether they can be empowering or not, uh, you know, whether it's for plus size or whether it's for whatever you yeah. call mm. non-plus size, yeah. right? I mean, for me, if you really want to be a, uh, really want a beauty pageant to be all-encompassing, I mean, there shouldn't be a weight limit. There shouldn't mm, be, yeah. you know, yeah. it's just a, it's a beauty pageant. Okay, everybody yeah. can join, right? I, mean, I don't know how beauty pageants work. I don't know if there's like, you have to weigh a certain amount before mm. you can enter. Yeah. But I know there's, I mean, of course, there's things like you have, you can't be married, for example, you have mm-hmm. to be single first the miss etc right I say get rid of all of that, right? Yeah, you really definitely. want a beauty pageant to empower women um, uh, because, you know, it offers all those things that we spoke about, right? Scholarships or mm. whatever. It should encompass. And you want to, yeah, encompass, represent like mm. the actual, you know, population. population yeah. of women. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, speaking about um, those, you know, the approach to body positivity, you know, I, I also wonder if it's about consumers shaping these demands, mm, right? Which yeah. is why we're seeing all these different brands uh, creating different things to cater for all these mm. people, right? Yeah, for sure. And, and, uh, um, we, I, you know, I've at least I've noticed, like like you said, uh, Juliet, just now, uh, Levi's. You know, I think um, these brands. It's just, it's just interesting to me also how how there's always this business component, right? And how yeah. whenever a company reacts, it's it, it is it's positive. It's good to see these things, but uh, they're also certainly catering to to different people and realizing, hey, you know, I can also make money out of this. And it's like, but then you look at the ads, right? And and it's like, wow, these are really like, these are really cool messages that are being sent out. And, and uh, like, you know, the people, they feature the diversity. So, so there is, you know, I... I I get, it's gotten to the point where, you know, I, I this is like great. You know, it's like, wow, this is so nice to see for a change. Yeah, because we always complain that, okay, we are not being represented in yeah. the media. <laughs> and then when we do, like, ah, you're just doing it for mm. the sake of tokenism, yeah. right? Yeah. But yeah, I guess we also mm. got to give some way, right? Yeah, because I think when it comes it's a, when it comes to all these things, right, when it comes all these big corp- corporations, I know I'm maybe I'm sounding like a little bit of a cynic, but I don't always, tr- they're not doing it for noble causes, right? <laughs> well, they all, are. <laughs> they're just capitalists. Yeah, you know, they... they 
so even when it comes to movies, the reason why we have a lot of representation now more than before mm. is because, you know, there's a demand for it. So they finally figure out, oh, maybe people don't just want to see mm. white superheroes, for example, yeah. white male superheroes. So now you're having more and more. And, you know, when they break the do well at the box office, you get. So I think it's it's the same with all this. But like, you know, like as you just brought up, you know, and Juliet also, it's... At the end of the day, they are still putting out a positive message. Yeah, so, yeah. Baby, yeah, steps. I guess yeah. baby, baby steps. steps. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going to take a quick break now. But um, after that, we're going to come back and speak to Ratna Devi, who is a body positive advocate. And she's going to share her thoughts on the body positive movement, as well as the importance of reshaping the conversations around physical beauty and self-confidence. But on that note, we do have a Twitter poll running. Uh, maybe, Dash, you can let us know what that is about. Yes. So we are asking you, um, you know, we, we are talking about plus size pageant so we're asking you is uh is our plus size uh, pageants the positive step forward so your options are yes it's a good start uh send the wrong message and i also uh, and the final option is i feel conflicted so you can take the poll on our twitter page at bfm radio you can also send us a whatsapp 018-789-8899 yeah so we'll have more after this quick break you're tuned to the daily digest on the bigger picture bfm 89.9 Welcome back to the Daily Digest on The Bigger Picture. I'm Juliet Jacobs and joining me are Dashran Johan and Hezreel Ashraf. Today we're talking about body positivity and redefining physical beauty. And we've also got a Twitter poll running with that, you know, covering those themes. Yeah, so we are asking you, are plus size pageants the po- a positive step forward? So right now, um, the, we have the, the poll is running on our Twitter page at BFM Radio. And right now, 59% of y'all say yes, it's a good start. Um, 20% of y'all say he sends the wrong message and another 20% of y'all say I mm. feel conflicted so you can keep taking that poll on our Twitter page at BFM Radio you can drop us a comment under the poll or you can also WhatsApp us 018-789-8899 yep. oh yes and before the break we did a little 101 on the history of beauty pageants and how they've come to shape modern standards of physical beauty for women and also how plus size pageants and the body positivity uh, body positivity movement are trying to reshape the conversations around societal standards of beauty that's right so to walk us through the body positive movement movement here in Malaysia and make sense of what can be done to empower women of all sizes we're crossing over to body positive advocate Ratna Devi Ratna now it's good to have you with the show this uh, on the show this afternoon. Um, could you start off by walking us through what's meant by body positivity? You know, how did this movement and conversations around it come about in the first place here in Malaysia? Okay, so body positivity just means that you and people who have bodies basically uh, just accept uh, their bodies as they are. And um, everything else that comes together with the body, skin color, uh, which is race, gender, and physical abilities, also it, it moves into basically accepting people of all types. The idea behind body positivity is when you accept yourself as you are, then you start accepting other people as they are. I think the conversations around here only started about three to four years ago. And it had been very big in the U.S. and the U.K. And there was a huge influx of plus-size influencers in the blogging world. Basically, started from fashion. We started seeing it here by local plus-size influencers and, and people on social media. And Radha, can you help us, you know, how does body positivity contrast with body shaming? And how does the former seek to address the latter? 
So if we look at the concept of body positivity to accept people as they are, which means you are accepting people based on their sizes, their abilities and the fact that sometimes their bodies change because that's up to you, right? Like when your body changes or if you choose to change the way you look. So there's this sense of accepting and embracing you as you are. So like, body shaming doesn't really exist in this space because it goes against what body positivity means. But you still see people body shaming and, you know, body shaming can come in so many forms. It's, it's happening online, it's happening in person, it's always been there. Yeah, I guess the want to have people to have knowledge around body positivity is so that uh, they stop shaming people for the way they look and also for their abilities and, and who they are. And you've been trying to change the way women talk about their bodies. Could you tell us about your work and how you got involved uh, in the first place? Sure. So um, thank you for asking that question. I, I joined Instagram about, I would say, seven, eight years ago. And at that time when I joined, you know, it was like I found myself in like a gold mine. basically. Mm. I found different people who looked like me and who were really comfortable being in their skin and in their body. And um, because of that, I found like a new sense of like how I could identify myself because I didn't feel, I didn't fit in into what other people or my friends or, or my peers in the groups that they were in. And so when I found this community of women, uh, mostly women, I joined them and I, I started to look at myself differently. The first thing that I actually sort of experimented with uh, was fashion. And it's because most of them at that time spoke about fashion. And, and then they started talking about their bodies and how they felt in their body. And so what I did at that time was I got involved by, by speaking about the same things, like how things affected me, what was living in a, a, a plus-size body, how did it feel, uh, what were the things that I had gone through and, and, you know, all the difficulties that I was going through at that time. That sort of led me into building a business that catered to plus-size women and fashion because I was really passionate about that. And from there, you know, uh, having a platform that allowed me to create this, I guess, sort of bring people together to talk about the same issues, you know. We all have very shared experiences as plus-size women. It, it sort of feels like we're coming home because we we all share the same kind of stories and the discrimination and the difficulties in existing as a plus-size person in Malaysia. And right now, what have you observed in terms of how people have approached this topic over the years? Has it been well-received? It has been okay. <laughs> I would just say, I would say okay and it has been well-received. There's still a lot of improvements that can be done. Of course, you have the occasional trolling that goes on and the occasional uh, people who just, and they sort of um, share all these things. But I think I'm very grateful for the fact that the younger generation are very accepting and they're very open and willing to learn. And therefore, I feel like there, 
the conversations that they have are so much more different from the conversations that I had in the past at that age. And therefore, I feel like with them, it's definitely changing. You know, they are so much more empowered with the knowledge that they have and how they view themselves in, in the world as compared to people in my generation. And recently, Malaysia held its first plus-size pageant to address body shaming and challenge existing norms of beauty. What did you think of it? Um, is it a positive way forward? I think it's a good start because, you know, if we look at pageantry and, and all those, these competitions, uh, plus-size women are often like excluded from these things that go on. And so in that sense, I, I think it's empowering for people who are interested to be in in the spotlight or show their uh, their talents and and share themselves in in that way but i think we need to and i guess this is a conversation for like a different time because we're still sort of conforming to an ideal version of what beauty looks like because in these spaces are we still choosing someone who is attractive in the idea of what society deems attractive? Are they still like light-skinned or fair-skinned? In the plus-size world, there is like a, a good plus-size and a bad plus-size. So meaning to say the people who are of like a larger, that, that wear larger sizes are in that range of being the not good ones. And therefore, are we still choosing people who fit a certain criteria. So those are like bigger conversations to have. But I think for a start, um, it's good to allow people who want to be included in, in these events because they have something that they want to share with the world. And I think that is empowering and that helps you know, people to, to look at themselves in a light that they've never seen people who look like them before. Mm. Now, this specific pageant, of course, um, well, as do all pageants, uh, they, they apply to women. Uh, from your experience, have you seen a difference in the way men engage with issues surrounding their body? There is some change, but not a lot of change, or not a lot of conversations around uh, men and body positivity compared to women. And I feel like it, it just could be the fact that these conversations are very hard to have. And, you know, they require a lot of openness and being vulnerable to share how you feel about uh, being treated a, a certain way. And therefore, you know, you need to have people around you that are supportive of you and encouraging. But I would say on social media, there are plus-size men who talk about their bodies and what it's like to be in a bigger body. But it's usually people from the states and, you know, from the Western world. And how can people start to frame the way they have conversations around their body differently? We need to look at the idea of, and I'm, I'm borrowing this from an activist online that I, I heard a conversation yesterday, but we need to look at the things that we are talking to ourselves first and saying to ourselves about our bodies, which is, is this coming from me or is this coming from society's expectation of me and then we can we can proceed to the next stage which is firstly why are we even talking about the way someone looks why do we need these conversations around what your hair looks like or what your body looks like 
why are we not having bigger conversations about <laughs> the important things, actually? So I feel like that's what people should start talking about. Be- because when a plus-size person says, hey, you know, it's uh, really difficult for me to get clothes and uh, or to get medical attention, the first thing, the first response would be like, but why haven't you tried to lose weight? And then you sort of just shut the door on them and they don't have a safe space to be heard anymore. And therefore, like, you know, what happens there is you're still perpetuating fat phobia because that exists. You know, that's a conversation that we need to have. Why are, why are we still talking about, about the way you look? It's not important. It's what I do and, and what I say and how I think it's more than what I look like. And what about activists and civil society? What can uh, they do to move ahead to empower the way people see themselves and tackle the issue of body shaming? Start giving um, space to people to to share how they feel about their bodies and also not have an expectation of what other people's bodies should look like and and also... Actually, like people don't owe you anything, so um, I don't any owe anybody how I look. Uh, you must realize where it comes from. Like, what does it stem from? You know, Rana. Um, for me, a large part of this issue also seems to be rooted in the products, fashion brands push out, and the things they advertise. Do you feel like we as consumers have enough power to affect change and put pressure on businesses to evolve? It's two ways. I think only when we keep pushing the, the narrative that we are no longer participants of what they are pushing out, then they will change. But I do have to say that when you look at like consumerism and business, it's the small businesses that are making an effect. They are taking charge and, and trying to do some change because I know that they are Brands in Malaysia and in Singapore and, and even worldwide, the smaller brands are the one who is taking the initiative to say, hey, okay, I want to be a, uh, an inclusive brand or you know, I want to make sure that part of my proceeds goes to this um, organization. And, and you know, they are doing the part of actually empowering, educating and creating space and, and the products for people like me. And the bigger businesses will only cave in, I think, when people stop buying from them and also when they see that the smaller businesses are the ones who are, you know, catering to this target group of people or, or something like that, yeah. And what would you tell people who feel insecure about their bodies or who are uns- unsure of how to start talking about their feelings? First, I think that, you know, we all have insecurities around our bodies. I feel insecure about my my body at times and I don't think that this thing will ever go away. I, there will always be insecurities but coming to a place where you accept yourself as you are, again, it's going back to is this coming from me or is this coming from what I was taught and what I learned from just being, you know, alive and in, in society and, and all the things that we see in media and around us. And then from there, you go into this place where you say, hey, you know, um, let me look at myself and is this something that I can work with? Like, can I, can I accept myself as I am? 
that means accepting yourself uh, the way you look and for the things that you're able and not able to do. I think what's important here is to understand that you need to have empathy for yourself and uh, a huge sense of acceptance because you are accepting yourself just the way you are and not for what people want you to look like and be like, you know, that it, it's hard. It's hard to do that because we put a lot of pressure on ourselves. So I want to say that you are not alone. Uh, there are lots of people who are like you out there and who feel the same way that you do. It's, it's much easier to come to a place of acceptance rather than continuously hating yourself and, and, and wanting to change yourself for, for other people. And so that's the first part. And the conversations, well, I think for me, what's helped me is to find people who I could vibe with. Basically, if I could relate to them, if we looked similar in body type or if we stand for the same things, those are the people who I feel comfortable sharing how I feel and they feel the same way. And to offer support in, in this manner is is how we then have conversations. All right. Thank you so much for joining us today, Ratna. That was Ratna Devi, a body positive advocate, talking to us about body positivity and ways we can reframe the conversations around physical beauty and self-confidence. Yeah, and it's nice that Ratna shared some uh, good starting points, right, to shift the way we look at you know, our bodies and how we feel in our own skin, right? If we're uncomfortable, um, you know, is it because of our own you know, genuine concerns or is this because it, it's about something that others see and, and that others, um, you know, think and say and expect of us? I, I tend to feel it's the latter a lot mm-hmm. of the times, yeah. you know, because yeah. you've been conditioned from such a young age, right? You've been called names, for example. Mm-hmm. And I'm speaking as a child who grew up, uh, uh, you know, bigger, mm-hmm. um, you know, no harm. Everybody would just call me fatty mm-hmm. and, you know, they'd just be very mean about it. But I was just expected to accept it because, uh, yeah, that's your body type. Like, why don't you try and lose weight? Why oh. don't you do that? And, you know, the more they tell you that, the more you feel more isolated and you don't really want to, I mean, you sort of work yourself into this vicious cycle where you try and then you fail. Yeah, it was yeah. quite bad. And, and I think the, the pressures also come from, um, you know, for me, social media and television, like even, even if... Um, there isn't like active body shaming. The yeah. fact that, you know, um, our culture is so sexualized and, mm. and that there's a certain image being portrayed. I feel like that's that's also just a uh, a passive way, in, in, I guess, of, of sort of putting pressure on people to, yeah, to just fit, fit a certain mold. Yeah, because mm. we, that's why we need, you know, representation. We need mm. like when you brought up Instagram, imagine like young girls, you know, at least mm. when we were yeah. growing up, oh. we were not, you know, at seven years old, oh, we were not true. looking at Instagram mm. and all things like that, yeah. you know, but a lot of young girls, you know, 12 years old, 10 years old, they're already on yeah. Instagram and, that's you know, true. all they're looking at is these so, so quote unquote, you know, perfect bodies mm. by these uh, Instagram models and yeah. all. And, you know, I do wonder how does that, you know, how, how would that psychologically affect mm. them yeah, so it's a scary thought yeah and little boys as well you know I mean yeah, everyone's being yes. fed all these yeah, images yeah. of what is ideal oh gosh big mess yeah. there but anyways <laughs> yeah so we also want to know what you think so we have uh, a Twitter poll running on our Twitter page at BFM Radio and we are asking you uh, plus size pageants a positive step 
forward. So uh, right now, 56% of y'all say yes, it's a good start. 21% of y'all say no, so it sends the wrong message. And another 21% of y'all say you feel conflicted about it. We've also got some ni- nice messages that came in. Uh, Shamil Raza said, um, what about not having beauty pageants at all? After all, beauty is subjective. So instead of uh, beauty pageants, perhaps you know he suggests something like a role model pageant <laughs> or something not so physical. So every girl's of uh, various looks and sizes and colors can dream to join yeah. one one day. We also got another one from Halim Raza. He said, um, it sends the wrong message if you need to have the whole plus category. They should be allowed to contest in ordinary pageants where body size is not one of the parameters. Ah, Halim, yeah. I agree with you yes. entirely. Yes. yes. <laughs> Just have a pageant. Yeah. I mean, people, some yeah. people do like it, right? They like all that pomp and splendor mm. that goes with it and yeah. all that yeah. dressing up. So yeah, by all means, if you want to do it, but let everybody join. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it's true. Just whether the advertisers will mm. come in, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I'm afraid that's all the time we have for today's show. But you know, if you have any thoughts, you can always keep sharing that with us. Tweet us at BFM Radio or send us a WhatsApp message at 018-789-8899. You can even send the team a message. Just look us up on Facebook uh, by searching for BFM The Bigger Picture. And if you happen to have missed any part of today's show, you can always download the podcast at bfm.my slash daily digest. You can find it on the BFM app, on Spotify, also on Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts. But do stay tuned because coming up at 3pm, we're going to kick off a new series on Live and Learn called Good Things, where we chat with good people who are, as you guessed, doing good things. Yeah, so good conversations with good people. Uh, and I'll be sticking around to speak to uh, Kavindran Ganesan, who is the co-founder and treasurer of the Lost Animal Soul Shelter, or LAS. Uh, and he's going to share about the good work that they do uh, to rescue sick, abused and abandoned puppies and dogs. So stay tuned for that. But this has been the Daily Digest on The Bigger Picture, BFM 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9 The Business Station.